Hi guys, welcome to the first episode of The Story Boss. And so here we are, talking to each other. Maybe you have a coffee. Maybe you're driving down the 405 or some other random highway that makes you sweat. Right now I'm sitting at a post house, so if you hear background noise, I apologize. I've got about 15 editors working around me in various bays, and but I had some time, wanted to start this podcast, so... You know what? You can deal with some noise, right? One of the things I want to talk about is how much noise we deal with as a society now. It's really noisy out there. And if you're a business or a brand trying to get noticed, good luck. (laughs) Because with social media, it's a great thing to have. But man, it is maddening to get noticed. Like me and I'll like you. Like me and I'll like you. No, like me and I'll like you. Follow me and I'll follow you. We're obsessed with likes. We're obsessed with following. But it's not doing us any good. Are you growing your business because of it? Probably not. So I wanted to give you a little history, a little background, because you're probably sitting there going, who is this guy? And why is he talking? Why does he call himself the story boss? Well, it's kind of a funny name, but it's also kind of a badass name. One thing I am is I am an expert at telling stories. I've been fortunate enough to have worked on some of the coolest projects around in reality TV over the last 15 years, but it did not start like that. So let's start from the beginning. Almost 16 years ago now, me and my wife moved out here to LA. We wanted to pursue our passions, follow our dreams, and we were very excited about it. We saved up $10,000. And at the time we thought that was gonna set us up for like, I don't know, what a cool, LA people do. Go have coffee with celebrities. I don't know. But needless to say, that $10,000 didn't go very far. After we bought the things that we needed for our studio apartment, I think we were pretty much broke after that within a month. Luckily, my wife found a job as a receptionist and was able to support us. For a whole year, she worked as a receptionist while I was looking for work. I'm telling you, I couldn't even find a a job as a a bagger at a grocery store. I applied everywhere, Starbucks, you name it. For some reason, I couldn't find it. But while I was at home, I started writing a script. That definitely helped me creatively, but it was super hard for me mentally. Um, But I kept persevering, looking for work. So my first gig... I got turned down by a bunch of gigs. It's pretty bad when you get turned down for free work. Maybe I looked like a boy that was 
from the Midwest, an Ohio boy. What does he know? Actually, this Midwest boy knew one thing, even back then. Work hard. Bust your ass. No matter what you're doing, give it your all. I finally got my first PA job for a movie called Screech of the Decapitated. Yes, that's me. I'm a big horror guy. Actually, I'm not. It was, it was actually kind of a funny little film spoof on all the bad horror movies that have been out. The producers of that quickly saw my determination, and I was a problem solver, and I was creative. And so I think I became the production coordinator really quickly. So I made myself useful. I made myself available before hours, after hours. I was dedicated, and I worked my ass off. After that, there was a lot of time off, you know, PA gigs or, you know, they were, I didn't, I didn't know anyone. I, I had zero network and this industry is really about who you know. So I had some time off, didn't have any money. We had to write $5 checks to Little Caesars for their hot and ready pizzas, hoping that my check would clear on Monday. I'm nothing special. People do this all the time. I'm just, this is my show. So I can talk. Um, and so after a while, I I've got on another film. This one was called Officer Down. I started as a production coordinator. And again, we, you know, I, I just went in and I determined that I was going to work harder than anybody else. No matter what, I was going to work harder. I was going to be available before, middle, after. Um, and I quickly caught the eye of the producers of the show. Actually, there was one producer on the show that was the biggest jerk I've ever met. Still probably one of the worst people that I've worked with. One time he, you know, started throwing stuff around the office, throwing a little temper tantrum. And I just wasn't going to take it. And I, I told him, I said, hey, dude, stop throwing, you know, stop throwing stuff around here. This is my stuff. If you're going to throw it again, you're going to clean it up. I don't care who you are. And, you know, after that, um, he was actually a really nice guy after that because he actually respected me for who I was. And, you know, I shouldn't have had to go through that. or I shouldn't have had to stand up to him like that to get that respect. But I'll work hard. That was my, you know, that was my mantra. I'm going to work harder than anybody else. But obviously you don't want to be disrespected and have people throwing stuff around. But after that, I, I, I got, actually got favor with him. And the production manager that was working got another gig. And so I got a promotion, and I became the production manager on a film, and the budget was half a million dollars. Pretty sweet. But it was because I was, again, there. I was a problem solver. I was creative, and I worked hard. We actually sold that film to, I believe it was Lifetime, so, you know, not, not too shabby for my first time as a production manager, uh, selling a film, staying under budget, saving them uh, production costs, feeling good about myself. The problem was I moved up so fast that I had no resume to, uh, you know, send to people. So after that, once again, we were struggling. But destiny came calling, and somehow we found ourselves 
with a pretty little baby girl. And there's nothing like having a little mouth to feed that will light a fire under someone's butt. And so I didn't care what kind of work it was. I just needed to feed my family. And so I started cleaning windows. I used to go uh, clean windows of big mansions on the, in the Hollywood Hills. Cleaned a lot of celebrities' houses. And it was hard work. Be up there on a 50-foot ladder on the side of a hill, you know, lucky to make $150 in a day, realizing that I just, you know, risked my life for $150 and I'd come home sore and dirty and still barely surviving. It's very expensive out in California if you've never been here. I finally got to a point in my, my life where I called my brother-in-law and said, hey, I've done my run here in L.A., I need to come back. Do you have any work for me back in Atlanta? I need to. I just need to to get away. But right when I hit the bottom, I was about to give up. I had another universe moment. I had a friend who opened a few doors for me. His name's David Harrison, great TV editor, one of the best, OG. He offered to talk to his boss. Her name's Myra. She's one of my favorite. And so I went in and talked to Myra, and I said. Look, I want to come in and I want to learn how to be an editor. I'm willing to come in and work for free at night. Just give me the chance. And she looked at me and said, there's something about you. I trust you. I believe in you. And to this day, she's one of my favorite people. My two younger brothers now work for her um, after I was able to open up some doors for them. I love how that sort of works. But anyways, I started going in at night. I'd show up at six o'clock in the evening and I'd work until three, two or three o'clock in the morning. All at the same time, I was working the windows during the day. So I was sleeping for about three hours every night. Good times. But you know what? I loved it because I knew I was working towards a dream and I had a door open and I was going to bust that door open wide. So I went in, wrote everything down that uh, the assistant editor taught me, practiced it, got it in my mind. And then after about three months of doing this, Myra called me into the office and said, hey, we've got a job opening uh, as an assistant editor digitizing the making of the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. Basically a show about cheerleaders trying out for the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders hard, hard job to do, you know, like stick tapes into a machine and then watch pretty girls dance and try out for cheerleading. She's like, would you like to do this? And I said, hmm, let me think about that. By taking that job as an assistant editor immediately, my income doubled from what I was making, killing myself, cleaning windows. And it was, you know, surreal. And um, being able to tell my boss at the window cleaning company that I was quitting uh, was definitely a highlight. He was actually kind of uh, kind of crazy now, looking back at it. Let's just say he was a he was a religious man uh, in a uh, non-conventional religion uh, that was based on a science fiction writer in the '60s. Not going to say what it was.
rhymes with schmientology. Looking back, he was always trying to give me like these random pills and kind of, kind of creepy, but whatever. I was done with it. C'est la vie. I was on level seven at that point. I was a Jedi. But as you know, the story's not over. After six months of being an assistant editor, you know, what's next? So, well, it's to be an, an editor. So, uh, again, that drive, that work hard ethic, uh, I would go in and I would make my rounds down to all the editors and I would become friends with them because I realized that they're the best uh, channel to becoming an editor because I've already done it. If you know what you want to do, find someone that's already done it and learn from them. That's the best trick. And so I would start going in, I would start becoming, you know, I would, I would make friends with them. And then I would go, hey, you know, like, would you want anything edited tonight? Um, you know, and I mean, what editor is not going to agree to that? Like, of, of course, like, even if it sucks, like, I don't have to use it. But whatever it is, sure, I would start cutting teases and, you know, next ons and all kinds of stuff for a bunch of different shows. And then did that for probably another six months, really just busting my ass, just working hard, learning everything. Um, I, you know, I grew up as a musician, so the rhythm of editing um, came very natural to me. Um, and, you know, wanting to be a, a writer when I first moved out here, uh, the storytelling um, aspects were sort of uh, natural as well, but I just needed to figure out how to put it in this the structure of uh, how reality TV works. Finally got my my first break as an as an editor. Someone called me and said, hey, do you want to, I hear you're a good editor. Um, I've got a job starting Monday. Would you like, to, would you like it? And I'm like, uh, sure. Uh, didn't even have to show my resume. Luckily, I didn't have to show my resume because at that point I didn't have an, an editor's resume. Um, but it was because of someone who knew me and they were willing to um, put my name out there. And so, once again, um, my income doubled immediately and started working as an editor. And, you know, for a while it was scary because it was freelance work and you, you never know, like, are you going to get a job or are you, are you going to be able to work, on, you know, find a show? Um, you know, typically shows are like six to eight weeks. It's like a six to eight week run. You'd work on a show and then you have to find another show. Well, I started... Um, working as a freelance editor um, and for 10 years straight I never had a day off that I didn't want and that's something that's pretty spectacular I don't I don't know if I'm you know tooting my own horn or if it's just the hard work ethic that I had or the creativity or the problem solving but um, pretty proud of that so for 10 years I never had to look for work I was constantly working. I worked on Iron Chef America for six seasons, uh, Bar Rescue, went back and did the making of the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleader Show um, as an editor, um, did Next Iron Chef, did a lot of food stuff for Food Network. Once you start getting a name for certain genres, they, you know you can easily get a job. So I started getting a lot of food stuff. Realized I didn't want to get pigeonholed into food, although I love food. I started reaching out to other production companies, started doing Fly in Wild Alaska, 
um, did a bunch of stuff for Discovery. Um, so for 10 years, you know, I probably, those 10 years that I was working, I probably literally myself have 100 hours worth of edited television with my name on it. And I would, I would guess maybe even more. I mean, thinking 10 years. Um, so I was proud of that. But again, the story's not over. A lot of guys that I work with are happy where, where they're at as editors. I mean, rightfully so. It's a really good job. You make a lot of money doing it. And you're able to be by yourself uh, most of the time working on television. But for me, I'd already had a taste of being out in the field. Um, and I'm naturally a people person. I love working with people. I love the collaboration. Um, and so I started getting hungry again. Uh, that story was not over for me. I, I was hungry again, uh, so I started wanting to get back out in the field. One thing is it's a very natural thing for editors to become directors because as editors, I know exactly what shots I need. I know what angles. I can see it in my head because I've seen thousands and thousands of hours worth of footage, and I complain about, oh, why didn't you get this shot? Why didn't you get this shot? And so I knew that getting back out in the field as a director and a producer um, would be a natural thing for me. So you're starting to see a pattern here. Like I got to the top of my game as an editor, basically lead editor in most shows that I worked on, developed a very good name for myself in the edit world because of my ability to find creative ways to tell people's story. You know, a lot of people don't realize like when editors and producers are working together in post, we have hundreds of hours worth of footage that we have to chisel down to make it, you know, a 30-minute a show is 22 minutes worth of content and then eight minutes of commercial or give or take a little bit. And then an hour show is, you know, anywhere between 40 and 43 minutes and the rest is commercials. So it's a lot of chiseling. It's a lot of like you see a mountain and then you have to look inside that mountain and go, I can make this a uh, story. Um, and so these last 15 years really served me um, and really helped me um, with my storytelling abilities. But anyways, I was at the top of my game, like, you know, and, and for me, I start seeing that ceiling like, well, I'm not going to be able to grow anymore, get sort of, uh, you know, a, a little... Uh, uh, claustrophobic. So I wanted to produce and instead of being like a smart normal person uh, who would go and get a producer job, I decided to start my own production company. And that's called Von Sky Original, named after my kids, Jagger Von, Ava Sky. I knew with all the experience that I had had over the last 15 years, it was a it was a no-brainer. Production management knew the budgets, knew how to do all that, and editing, producing, and directing. And we had done a few small uh, projects here and there, but it wasn't until a friend of mine introduced me to the family from San Pedro Fish Market. San Pedro Fish Market is the largest restaurant in California. Um, one of the largest in the country, if not the largest. Um, big, 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 big time. And I was introduced by a mutual friend who had done business with them as well. Mike wanted to do some marketing for 
San Pedro Fish Market. When I met them, I instantly fell in love with with Mike and the family. Their story was authentic. They've been around for 60 years. It's multi-generational. So with my background, it was it was a natural instinct for me to want to do a reality show about them. And so we created a reality show called Kings of Fish and we didn't know how successful it would be. We didn't know what to expect with, with the show. We knew we wanted to place it on social media, um, but all I knew is whatever we were going to do, I wanted it to be authentic and I didn't want, I knew we were going to be doing marketing for it, but I didn't want people to know that, viewers to know that. I wanted it to feel like, wow, this is a reality show. This is amazing. And so, you know, we thought, oh, we'll probably get like 20, 30, 40,000 views on Facebook. We'll, we'll consider that successful. That's really cool. And after the first four episodes, we had had over 10 million views on Facebook alone. And after that, we knew that we had had a hit. And, and so we continued to produce more and more episodes. And now up to this point, we've produced uh, 50 episodes of Kings of Fish now five to ten minute episodes and there's lots of storylines the characters are amazing we tell these stories like you know if you think duck dynasty um, it's all about the family um, running a business and that's sort of how we run uh, kings of fish it's all about the family running a business um, the business is the backbone of the show um, but it's entertaining and people watch it and they love it one of the things that uh, Kings of Fish or San Pedro Fish Market, um, they started seeing right away was the revenue went up. And over over the last uh, two and a half years, almost three years now that we've been working on this, the revenue has gone up uh, 20%. And so they're seeing mad returns on, uh, they have a huge return on investments um, for what they're doing. I'm so happy that their business is just continuing to explode. Um, they've, you know, now they've opened up three new locations called the San Pedro Fish Market Grills, and they are just booming. And we're so, you know, excited to be a part of that. Uh, we were featured on KTLA, the local news here in LA, um, and literally the headline was "Web Series Saves San Pedro Fish Market." It's been an amazing ride. We're gonna we're continuing to do that. We're about to go into season seven of that show. The amazing part about it is like this became so successful that I realized like I really had lightning in a, in a bottle here. You know, like I started Von Sky Original to create reality shows for television, television networks, or now Netflix or Amazon. Um, but I realized that you know businesses need storytelling as much as anybody and that power is so real um and and so one of the uh branches of von sky original now was just created to produce reality content for businesses we have we have one branch of our company that is that is still shooting sizzles and producing content for television but we have another branch that is strictly for business to business and, and i have real producers that are not you know, no offense, but they're not uh, wedding uh, videographers, um, you know, moonlighting. These people are legitimately working on some of the biggest reality shows around, and they work with me as my team, and we create reality shows now for businesses. So 
that came out of a, you know, like I, like I said, we had, like, I realized I had lightning in a bottle. It was, um, it became so successful that I knew, hey, we've got to do this over and over and over. Let's find as many businesses as we can, because right now it's really noisy out there. Like I said, there's so much social media, so much crap going on. It's hard to get, uh, it's hard to get noticed. I mean, it's just all so much um, BS happening around you, but people will listen and people will be drawn and people will be connected to story. So Von Sky Original uh, pivoted to not just doing shows for television, but now we're doing uh, content for for businesses and we do it in many levels. We can do it uh, with a shoestring budget or we can do as big of budgets as you want to do. Um, that's the cool part about it. You know, we've worked on half a million dollar budgets and we've worked on smaller projects way smaller projects small enough budgets where a you know mid-sized business or even a small business willing to invest a little uh, skin in the game uh, would be able to afford and that's surprising to a lot of people um, to have network quality content um, at an affordable price and we do get you noticed. I really love helping businesses. To me, it's more fun than working for television networks because we can be as creative as we want to be um, and do our thing. But now, you know, we're we're deciding to share our story. You know, again, like just like with my my editing and producing ten years as freelance, um, I never had to look for work. Work always came to me. That's sort of how we've been over these last few years for Von Sky Original. But I've decided, like, I want to really just blow this thing up because I want to help as many businesses as I can. So we're starting to share our story. Like, we've never, I've never marketed our company at all. Nobody knows about us, but we've worked for a lot of, uh, we've worked for a lot of companies and a lot of businesses. Um, so we're starting to share our story, letting people know, um, and that gets me very excited. I love helping people. I love changing people's lives. If I can help you grow your business and bring in more revenue, that's not the bottom line. More revenue means a better life for you and for your family, for your employees, and for it's to me, it's such a bigger thing than just X's and O's and dollars and cents. It's something that I enjoy doing. And the cool part about it is we can really tell stories um, in the process. So this first episode is, you know, it's really a uh, sort of who I am and what, how we got to where we are. But I want to, you know, I'm going to be bringing on insiders. I'm going to be sharing stories. I'm going to be finding ways that I can help you wherever you are. If you're in Oklahoma or Iowa or Florida, wherever you are, I want to help you. Um, So that's why we created this podcast. Um, You know, again, we are experts in storytelling. And so I want to give back. We've had a really good run over these last few years. And I, I want to give back to the universe. And so we're going to just throw this podcast out there. And so to recap, hard work in the universe, creative thinking, storytelling, those things are what I believe in. And you know, they've gotten me to where I am. 12 years ago, I was cleaning windows, hanging from ropes off of 10-story buildings, fearing for my life. And now, you know, 
Um, I, I've, I've had a successful run. I'm continuing to have a successful run working in television. And now I've got a business that has platforms that I'm able to help more and more people. Again, we produce content for television. Uh, and now we're, we're, we're working over the last two years, we've been working more and more with businesses. And we also have a consultant business where I will get on the phone with you or one of my team members can get on the phone with you. And if you have a question, if you want to figure out, hey, like I've got a business here, how can I market it? We can help you. And I'm excited about that. So that's part of this podcast is just to kind of uh, lay my thoughts out. And so I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Probably talked too long and my producer is probably wanting to shoot me right now uh, because she's having to sit with an editor and edit all of this down. But anyways, it's all good, and I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about Von Sky, and I'm excited about the opportunity to help you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the other side.